This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Welcome to Voice of Change with myself, Lauren Jacobs. This week, I hope that you've been having a wonderful week and that International Women's Day this past Tuesday was a wonderful day. I pray you got to celebrate it if you're a woman. And you know what? On the show today, we are going to be going a little bit deeper, you know, for International Women's Day. Even though it was on Tuesday, it's still Women's Month, International Women's Month, and also Women's History Month. And, you know, history is something that is quite interesting because it's developing as we speak right now you know history is being made it's not just events that have happened in the past but it is what is happening in our present now for international women's day this year the theme was break the bias you know and that's all about breaking stereotypes and the bias against where women have served and where they've you know been mistreated or where they've been unheard where they haven't been heard or where they haven't been seen and that is particularly very important when we get to today's show because i have a incredibly exciting show for you today because I'm going to be talking about women in theology and you know theology is a very very particular field it's a very important one and women have not always been included in it but we know that women are starting to be included and my guest today is so so passionate about talking about her theological journey as well as you know encouraging others to you know consider studying theology and particularly for women to pursue this call of theologian. Now I'm joined today by Dr. Nadia Murray and Nadia is a senior lecturer in systematic theology at Stellenbosch University. She completed her dissertation at PhD in 2015 and she also is an ordained minister in the Dutch Reformed Church of South Africa. She's a Mandela Road scholar. She serves on the Dutch Reformed Church Leadership Board and is actively involved in the World Communion of Reformed Churches. She is very, very interested in human and ecological flourishing and publishes regular contributions on different kinds of theology she is so so incredible she's passionate and Nadia just shares such a powerful powerful word with us today from her own story and from her own life and again like I said also for those women who are listening today who have considered pursuing theology but haven't taken it further then this show is also for you or if you have a daughter who's interested in studying theology and wondering can I make a career out of this because I feel called to this thing well then maybe pop over a quick message tell her get on to k-pulpit listen to voice of change because today it's all about woman in theology what we can learn what we need to understand so stay tuned Nadia it's so great to have you with me today on voice of change I'm really really looking forward to getting into such an important conversation with you today when we talk about females in theology you know pursuing that as a career but before we get into that the excitement is very real for me I just am so grateful to have you with me today and I hope that you are doing well so welcome to the show thanks so much Lauren and thanks for having me you know, it's so, so inspiring when we see women who are professors in theology, you know, when they have, you know, higher education in theology and also when they are teaching theology to others and, you know, working at Stellenbosch University, you've been doing that for some time, not only at the university, but you fulfill so many different roles. And I'd love to know from you before we get into a general conversation, I'd love to know about your specific journey. Did you always feel, you know, that theology was your place? 
and that you wanted to teach other people. Was this kind of a natural thing that happened or is this something that you discovered over time? Yeah, that's such a challenging question. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not because it's the first time I've thought about it, um, but I've, I've re- reconsidered it over the years so many times. Um, yeah, in terms of my journey, I mean, I initially didn't plan to study theology at all um, or to become a pastor and definitely not a theologian. That was not even on the horizon for me at all. So initially, when, when I started studying at Stellenbosch, I um, was studying BCom uh, with the idea of going into business. And, mm. you know, I've, I'm still interested in, in, in that and probably in too many things. Um, but I just realized my first year, a couple of weeks into my course, that this was interesting. It was really stimulating me in terms of my, my mind and, and thinking and challenging I think in in all ways very good but there was something for me lacking in terms of passion in terms of the sort of bigger picture um yeah and I I think my feeling at that point was you know I really want to make a difference in some way I want Mm. to um, serve in some way and I I can honestly say that I felt called you know to Mm. to study theology so for me that actually (laughs) sort of created a bit of a crisis because um like there aren't really ministers in my family so they mm. there are some brothers of my grandfathers so and I didn't even know them um so that's really far out you know but um yeah so for me th- this was something really challenging how was I gonna talk to my family about this um you know just this just the prospects of how, what kind of a salary are you gonna get is mm. there are there jobs available you know, so it really was um, an uncomfortable and an inconvenient kind of thing. Um, I, I think, I mean, for someone who's 18 years old, and I, I know that for many people this happens much earlier and much later. So it, it's all the journey that, that you are on specifically. But for me, it was just really confusing at that point. Um, but I decided to to um, to go for it. I decided to you know, to, to trust also this next step, um, mm. you know, and, and I, so I, I switched over to theology. I had a bit of catching up to do, especially with Greek and Hebrew. That was really challenging. <laughs> um, so I had to like learn the, the vocabulary and everything, you know, um, by myself that, that the rest mm. of my class covered. Uh, yeah. So I switched over, I think about three months in, um, and I must honestly say, I mean, there, there's been many moments that I've I've asked myself, was this the right choice? Um, mm. You know, how, how, and I think all of us ask that question, how would your life have looked if you have made different um, choices? Mm. And I, for me, it's been a really challenging, but such a fulfilling journey. Um, I think I've just in terms of of my my how my faith has developed and my my what I see as my calling in doing this has also mm-hmm. grown. Um, for me, the interesting thing is at that point, you know, starting with this sort of theological studies, I never had in mind becoming a theologian. I think that's a really important yeah. thing um, is that the, the only options that I could really actually foresee was becoming a minister. And because mm. I was a, a member, I'm still a member of the Dutch Reformed Church of South Africa, you know, that was the prospect for me. That was all that I could imagine. Yeah. You know, so I had, I had sort of these questions to myself 
could I fit into this role? I mean, one of the very first questions was, but, you know, can women study theology? And the scary yeah. thing at that point was actually, I mean, now I know it. I didn't know it then. But actually, women have been ordained since 1990 in the Dutch Reformed Church. Um, hmm. I mean, this was 2006, and I wasn't sure <laughs> if hmm. I would be allowed to become a minister. I wasn't also sure if that was necessarily what I wanted to do. Hmm. But I, I just knew that this was the this was the next step. This was what I was being called to. Um, yeah, and, and like I said, it, it was really um, challenging. It took a lot of courage for me to to take that step and and I must say I'm I'm really glad I did. It wasn't always easy. Mm. Um but it's it's been a really fulfilling journey and I have grown and and learned so much um over the years. Mm. Sure, Nadia, you know when I listen to you speak I love to hear about your journey. You touched on so many things and I love that you shared, you know, just just openly about your journey, you know, with me today and with the listeners. And I think it's so important. One of the things I was thinking while I was listening to you speak is something that we probably consider and maybe a lot of people don't think about is is representation you know you spoke about when you were younger you know didn't know anyone in your family who was no one was a minister and, and also thinking can women be you know in this role and what would that look like and do you think it's important for women who are considering the calling of you know whether it be theologian or whether it be pastor minister or full-time missionary or you know bible teacher or you know Bible, Bible author or translating the Bible, whatever those different callings are. Do you think it's important that we see more women in those roles and that younger women, I would say younger, even though you and I know are still quite young, but younger women who are coming in maybe in their first year studies to see other women in those roles. Do you think that that's important? How important is that kind of representation so that you, you look at someone and see maybe there is a space for me? Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, when when I walked into the faculty at that point, um, Alna Maton was was the dean of the theology faculty, the first woman to serve as dean mm-hmm. at Stellenbosch at the the theology faculty. So immediately, I mean, just I before even having a conversation with her, um, just seeing her and and knowing, well, but this. This woman, she, she's a theologian. She's a, a New Testament scholar. Here she is, sort of taking her place in, and and it immediately that I can say like emotionally the effect it had on me because mm. keeping in mind, you know, you this for me growing up in Pretoria, moving to Stellenbosch, and also you know, my family didn't study at Stellenbosch, so all of this was new for me. The whole mm. setting, the place, the culture, I I didn't get any of it, you know. Um, initially um so walking in there strange place the strange building the strange faculty and seeing her i think um the the sort of feeling that i had was of i don't want to say homecoming but i immediately felt more at ease i kind of felt like whew i really thought the first day i went to class my the picture i had in my mind and this is actually like hilarious if i think back <laughs> to this but was that I was going to be the only woman in a class full of men mm. and all of them were going to have mustaches and they, they were all going to be very serious mm. and pious. And I was just like, I, on the one hand, I cannot deny this, you know, um, this, what I, like I said, what I f- felt and still feel is a calling. Mm. So I have to pitch up. 
But on the other end, this is really scary because I would not have fit in with my sort of, at that point, my pink dress that I was wearing and, Mm. you know, kind of thinking, how was this going to work? Am I going to feel really uncomfortable? So I actually put off going to class for like, I think, two weeks because this was the picture confronting me. And when I arrived at class and this was the dean, Alna Maton, the most wonderful person and, and mentor and theologian, you know, um, and walking in, into my class, and there were, um, I think, out of a class of 20, there were about, let's say, eight women, um, mm. if I recall. And some of them were surfers, and they were barefoot, and hippies. And, <laughs> you know, it was really like this, just a feeling of relief. And, um, yeah. um, you know, for me, that was just, uh, that feeling was just amazing to realize, you know, I can actually come home in this space and it's all right for me to be here. I'm actually welcome mm. here. I'm not just welcome, but like people want me here as well. Um, and immediately then I, I wanted to start going to class. I wanted to learn. Um, and and I, I really got into it. So, yeah, so I would say that makes a massive difference, especially yeah. if you, you, like me, might have had a picture of who studies theology, who, who become pastors, you know, Mm. Uh, how do these theology classes look? How do the lecturers look? Um, yeah, so I think people have a lot of associations with um, the ch- yeah the church and and, and theology um, mm. th- theological studies and and this kind of I think for many people the issue of am I going to be welcome? Like are people yeah. going to want me there? Um, mm. And I can honestly say for me that was probably the most pleasant surprise at that point was just Mm. this feeling of okay I can breathe you know you know it's so funny I think even even for myself uh, you know even being in theology for a long time personally I still have that picture in my mind of what you shared as well you know uh, that's that man with the mustache (laughs) it is it is our association when we hear the word theologian and even if you you know you buy different bibles I when I buy a bible I always look in the first front pages I'm just one of those people that read the introduction you know what is the purpose of this Bible and what is it and then you always see the person who was the main editor and always tendency is to be some guy with a mustache you know and he's older and uh, then I look at like okay who's who's the sub editors and who's the translators and you know just looking what are the women here you know are there women on board and and it's just so interesting that association but like you said as well it is it is not like that it is not like that at all and i think things have changed so dramatically and we know that but there's still so many changes i'm sure that have has to happen and take place and i'd love to know from you you know with that in mind about you know kind of the unique challenges that actually face female theologians now obviously i know it's going to be different for different universities even in different societies and communities and even in different countries, different women will experience different things. And obviously, you know, in their faculty as well. But I'd love to know just in general things that maybe you've seen and you've seen that other people have expressed to you. What still are the hurdles or the 
things that's standing in the way, you know, when women pursue theology and even when they're in the field, I'm sure because historically it has been quite a male-dominated sphere, there are still probably quite a few things that need to be sort of dealt with and overcome. And I'd love to hear from you, you know, what you've kind of seen or what you've heard and experienced in that in that perspective. Yes, thanks. That's a great question, Lauren. Um, I would say that since I started studying theology and, and where I'm now, um, you know, obviously things have, have changed so much, as you also rightly point out. And I, I think that also just the differences between uh, studying theology at a university versus seminary, mm. there they are very real differences, I think, in, in how people uh, would experience classes and so on. But I think one of the main challenges is probably the for, for um, women in particular, and I don't want to speak on behalf of all women, but yeah. um, from yeah. what I've heard and sort of observed and so on, is, is the challenge of being heard and being taken seriously. So I think those two things, you know, um, yeah, often when there are these these big public conversations or these big public debates, and and not only in the in the faculties, but um, I would say even more so in our churches, at synods, you know, at church meetings, mm-hmm. that um, the question for me would be not necessarily do women speak all the time because not everyone wants to speak all the time, mm-hmm. you know, but um, but when people do opt to speak. How are they received? Are they listened to? Um, are people listening to understand and to receive the gift of what, what they're saying? Or is there immediately a sort of dismissal uh, of that? Is there immediately an attempt to contest it? Or mm. especially when it comes to experiences where women, women say, well, you know, my experience of, let's say, a particular conversation in, in our churches or in, in uh, faculties of theology isn't good, especially when it's mm. negative, you know, and, and I, I feel um, there's a lack of respect or whatever. How is that received? Um, mm. Now, often, but that's not always the case, but I think often where negative, where there's a negative experience, uh, there they tends to be a, a sort of moment where people uh, dismiss or contest that experience. Mm. And I think that's a very real challenge that a lot of um women theological students, women theologians, also in other settings, academic societies and so on, um, pastors and, and ministers experiences this, you know, on the one hand, having the self-confidence to speak up and to speak in a, in a way that, you know, um, you know, you will be heard. Yeah. Um, a, a very silly, but I think important example is I, I can recall, um, you know, some meetings in the past in the in the church, not in the faculty, where mm-hmm. just the moment of I just realized that if a woman cries when mm-hmm. they're talking, nothing that they say is actually taken seriously. So mm-hmm. the moment that you are not um I don't want to say just rational, but but like um you don't if you show too much emotion, you mm-hmm. know, often that is the reason, that is the exact excuse people can then have. And not just men, also other women to yeah. dismiss, you know, the validity of, of a point. Or so I think that's a real, mm. a really big challenge, is how we listen. And I think for for many people, that's a that's a major point of frustration. Is am I 
regarded as an equal? Is my voice the welcome, you know, mm-hmm. um, including when not just when it's positive, but also when it's more critical and, and sort of pointing out things that may need more work in, in the um, yeah. environments that we are that we are in. Um, that's on the one hand. On the other hand, I do want to just make a um, distinction. Mm-hmm. I think that um, between the theological disciplines, if we think, for instance, so in my discipline, systematic theology, which is the old uh, dogmatics and ethics, mm-hmm. um, historically, they've actually been very few women. So I, I would say actually fewer women probably in some of the other theological disciplines, uh, mm-hmm. sort of. Um, and and the, I never realized this actually until I, I had a conversation with a, a woman systematic theologian from Hungary. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking about, you know, the, the specific challenges that we were uh, experiencing and things that were unique to our context, but also shared. And she was saying, well, you know, in Hungary at that point, she was the only woman systematic theologian. So there were wow. um, a few women in, in other disciplines, in pastoral care, practical theology, Old and New Testament, um, ecclesiology, uh, missiology, but in systematic theology and especially in dogmatics. Uh, she was the only, she was the first in, in um, her church, uh, the Hungarian Reformed Church, and also in, in their seminaries in mm. Hungary. So, And then she asked me the question, you know, so how many women systematic theologians do, do you have that teach permanently, that teach full-time? And I was like, wow, I have never even considered mm. this. Question. And this oh. was like, I mean, just a few years ago. This is like maybe six or seven years ago. Um and, and I was like, well, I can actually only think of one other at that point. It's changed uh, yeah. since then. But I could only think of one other woman systematic theologian at that point at a university in South Africa, apart mm. from myself. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, I might be um, uh, missing someone, but I, I doubt it, you know. And mm. I just realized, well, in terms also of our disciplines, there is also this historical. So I actually asked her, why do you think this is? And mm. she said, well, um, for her students and her colleagues, it's strange that a woman would, would go into systematic theology, which is regarded as a very rational subject. So, okay. you know, very philosophical. So, and because of that, that association, um, that is associated with, you know, men and not mm. with women. The, the, um, the sort of more rational, logical um disciplines and i i mean that was her uh, take on it mm. uh, so and i thought about that quite a bit since then you know how <laughs> like <laughs> really, i'm i'm in the field but i didn't actually think about it until she challenged me on that point and i was like well that is an excellent question mm. that is an excellent question and, and i also really love this that you brought it brought it up in that perspective of well this is a very rational field you know so maybe this isn't for women <laughs> that that's the historical yeah. mindset right but I think our world right now really uh, speaks and what we see happening in our world right now that's very difficult to deal with we have leaders making very irrational decisions and then yeah. they're not exactly females. <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> so it, it's uh, it's it's quite interesting. And again, just these mindsets. And I think it's so wonderful that we can crack it open and say this is actually what people think, and this is exactly what happens. And just reflecting as well on what you were talking about on being heard. You know, taken seriously. Are we are we listened to when we raise a 
point, you know, when it's a, a point maybe of conflict as well. Uh, someone said to me the other day that what they noticed, and it was a, a guy, and he said that what he noticed in the boardroom at this business meeting that he was having uh, is that often when women spoke up, people would speak over them and not allow them to finish. So he feels very strongly that when that happens, he stops the meeting, even though he's not a senior member of, you know, the organization, he stops and says, wait, you know, let's, let's wait till, you know, our colleague is finished. We need to hear her, her, you know, out and we need to hear what she's saying. And so again, these are good challenges as well. When we look at ourselves and people maybe even listening say, hey, actually, do I see that happening? Not just in my business, but in my church, in the board meetings, in the meetings that we have, are women fully heard? Is there space for that? Do we speak over them? Do we, you know, neglect what they're saying if they show emotion? Which is so interesting because I heard a, a very young male pastor sharing just a week ago, how he feels so anxious when he stands up to preach because he cries a lot. And that is who he is. But people in the church complain about it because they don't like it. They're not comfortable with him crying in, you know, while he's preaching. And so he feels a great level of anxiety when he stands up to preach. And again, that perception of emotion, you know, it's not, this is, this is not the place to do it, you know, on the pulpit. We don't cry here, you know, and it's just all these challenges that we actually need to reframe and rethink about. And, and which leads me to one of the questions as well. I, I can't believe we've been together for, for such a long time. We've been chatting so much. I feel like there's so much more that I, I want to ask you, but I suppose I have to wrap it up with this final question. And it is that, you know, when, when, a, when someone comes to, university studying theology particularly when a woman comes when a young girl comes and says I'm studying theology I've met a lot of young girls who go to a bible college or seminary or university to study theology and the only sort of thought that that is in your mind is well I'm studying this because God is calling me to this but it, it must be because I'm going to be a pastor or in some cases maybe a missionary you know what would you say to young girls that come in and say well Maybe the only thing I can do with this is is becoming a pastor because, as Nadia you said earlier on, our jobs available. Like, who's gonna te who's going to pay me to teach the Bible? You know, for example, who's gonna pay me to do that? You know, what would your challenge be to young women that feel led towards theology, but maybe think that the only avenue is pastoring or being a minister? Is there more, you know, should we, you know, kind of break open more our thinking and say, there's a lot that I can do if I study this? Yes, I just, um, if you are at that point where you think this is an option on the table, I just want to say then you're probably farther ahead than I was at that point because, you know, um, prior, just prior to my first year, I thought, well, the closest I would come to theology was becoming a pastor's wife. Mm, so wow. uh, already, <laughs> you know, um, I mean, I, I'm brutally mm -hmm. honest now and I'm a bit ashamed to admit it. But uh, just to say, if, if this is something that, yeah. that people are considering, this is already a major step, I think, forward um, just mm -hmm. to, to be able to consider this. Um, yeah, but I would say so initially when I started theology, you know, I didn't even think of like teaching or doing research or anything. But. Um, this is such a wonderful field that's developing. Often people look at this and, and they think, well, um, either it's a long journey to reach that point. So to complete uh, an undergrad, a master's, sometimes two master's, depending 
uh, on your journey and then a PhD. Um, yeah, so I, I would say it, it can be really intimidating. Um, mm. But this is also, you know, this uh, the at the end of this road is not only uh, teaching full time. So uh, fortunately, I can say I think at universities everywhere, faculties, I think there are four faculties of theology in South Africa, you know, um, are really actively working at including um, uh, women theologians. Um, mm. And so this this is a wonderful development and I think should be encouraging for people who are interested in in really putting in the work and and want to um want to teach and, and want to um, do research and and also in, in some way um, uh, do social impact work, um, transformative work. Mm-hmm. This is exactly the kind of work that these uh, faculties are, are busy with. Um, so absolutely, I mean, I think that there are definitely options available. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a long journey and it's hard work, but it's, it's also very, very rewarding. But apart from those two, I think that a, a lot of Students that I, if I can sort of share that, hmm. a lot of students consider, for instance, they would study theology and realize, you know, this might not be entirely what what I want to do um, in terms of I maybe want to mix this up in terms of, uh, say, doing a, um, a diploma in education. I want to hmm. become a teacher. Uh, two of my classmates actually went to study to become medical doctors after wow. their theology studies. And for them, uh, this is part of, um, yeah, this this calling uh, of helping people mm-hmm. and serving people. So, so I think that the days are past where, you know, we choose a job just in one direction and mm-hmm. we stay there for for the next fifty years. Um, so many uh, NGOs, so many um, places where I think in our communities and with young people, there are so many options and so much need. I think for exactly the skills that you that you learn. You, you study theology and mm. I think um, that includes for instance the, the skill of interpretation of you know I'm, I'm thinking now of a philosopher that always uses the term charity of interpretation so mm. how do we also look at, at people and situations in, in different ways perhaps in, in you know softer ways um, yeah so so the, the skill of hermeneutics of interpretation mm. I think is, is a major skill that's learned for me personally, I would say that one of the, the most important contributions that theology studies offer is the work of imagination. Mm-hmm. So the, the sort of understanding that we are all part of a bigger story and a bigger picture um, mm. and, and that how we fit into this picture, it, this might change. It, it's not necessarily stagnant. So uh, we might move around in this picture. But it's not just all about us. We are the ones who, um, yeah, you know, we are the ones who do the work of of hope, of encouragement, of sharing yeah. the good news of the gospel, you know. And and I think that if we think of where we just are in the world right now, mm-hmm. the prospects of war um, and and the ecological crisis, how we think about the future, it has n- never been more necessary for us to actually do the work of hope and imagination and mm-hmm. encouraging people. I mean, so so I think that theologians are uniquely positioned. Um, I mean, a good example is the, the previous rector of Stellenbosch University, uh, Professor Russell Botman, mm. uh, with his HOPE project that I think inspired so many people with, the, with this idea that a university can stand in service of the community, of the development goals of the United Nations, mm. that this is also the purpose of theology, is doing the work of human dignity. Mm. You know, um, and so I think that that 
yeah, I think in terms of jobs, there they are so many possibilities to, to consider. Uh, but, but probably even more than I can think of right now, because yeah. the work of hope and imagination and encouragement and the good news that we have to share, that is never ending, you mm. know. Um, mm. And yeah, so I, I really am excited about um, theology and theological studies, because I think this makes us agents of hope and it makes us uh, build the muscle of our imaginations mm. to really also put this in service of our societies and our communities um and i think mm -hmm. it's such so important especially at this point in our history you know in the world and in our country to to do this work so yeah i i hope that helps mm. <laughs> i love i love the answers that you gave here and you make such important points and even during this time as we see like you you mentioned war as well you know people are actually looking what what is the existential impact of this you know what is the theological understanding what does the bible say how can we have hope you know what is coming and how do we understand our mortality and how do we understand loving our neighbors we love ourselves what is what is our role in the world now you know these are all very deeply spiritual questions you know wherever you stand in life these are questions that that are deeply spiritual and people are asking them more and more and more people are seeking more answers and i think like you said theologians as well you know as agents of hope particularly in this world i think that that is that is so powerful and nadia i want to say thank you so much for being with me today time has gone by so quickly and i feel as though this is a conversation we going to definitely come back to it later this year because again you know there's just so much to talk about and I, I'm so grateful that you shared so openly as well you know about your own journey and it touches on a lot of things that I believe the listeners have experienced that I have experienced too and thank you so much for that openness and that vulnerability with us to share and I feel really really encouraged today as well and excited about theology and I'm sure it has impacted other people and my prayer is that there have been some people sitting and listening and going actually this is something I've always wanted to do and now Nadia is encouraging me and there's a light bulb going on and I'm thinking maybe there's a calling here for me that I've never considered before so Nadia I want to say thank you so much for your time thank you so much for teaching and training people and for being just so powerfully used in your calling thank you so much and I really pray that God will just bless you and that you'll have so many great fruitful years ahead you know just doing the incredible work that you're doing and thank Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Lauren. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much and take care. So now you have it. Everything you need to know about Nadia's journey. Wow, I feel so inspired and uplifted and also so blessed that Nadia shared with us so vulnerably and openly, giving us a unique perspective as a woman that's interpreting the Bible, that's doing the research, that's teaching others. It is so incredible to hear. And I meet a lot of young women a lot of the time, you know, who really want to study theology and who really want to get involved in being a theologian and don't know how if you have questions you know come on over and ask me on social media i will be glad to share with you and also i want to say you know this conversation has been very unique and very inspiring there's been even during the show a lot of of you know feedback and questions that we actually do need to go deeper next week i'm going to keep the conversation going and i'm going to be joined by felicia mason heimer felicia actually started an incredible movement called every woman atheist 
theologian taking it now from the very specific to the broad saying you know every woman needs to consider theology but also how can we do this maybe in an informal way someone that doesn't want to go back and study someone that doesn't want to get a degree but actually wants to be built up theologically and how do we do that how can we become a theologian in what we believe I once met someone who told me that they don't study the word of God because they believe that they as a woman will be misled but rather that men should study the word of God and teach women so that women aren't misled this is a very interesting thought pattern and almost a way that Felicia challenges that thought by saying every woman every person every individual needs to know what they believe and needs to be able to get in to what they believe and needs to be able to understand what they believe and have sound doctrine and sound theology so Felicia comes from that perspective and she challenges the thoughts and the patterns of saying you know we all can be a theologian we all can study and so we're going to go deeper and further and you know branch off a little bit from this conversation as there's been so much activity and so much enthusiasm and excitement during this conversation lots of questions so we're going to attempt i'm going to attempt to answer those questions next week don't also forget that we are doing something exciting here on cape pulpit we are looking for our next breakfast presenter to join the man brad kirsten and so you know what if you are interested or you know someone that's always dreamt of being in radio then go on over to our social media pages facebook and instagram 729 kate pulpit go on over there find out how you can send a cv a demo reel you know find out how you can get involved and maybe take a chance at becoming our next breakfast presenter it is wonderful to have you with me today it's been such a joy and such a blessing and on this note i want to say as well let us not forget what is happening in the world the crisis that we see happening the war that we see this invasion of ukraine and the many many people that are now refugees and who are also now suffering let's not forget that as we go about our daily lives let us continue to lift them up let us continue to pray for them and let us continue to you know be open to what the spirit of god is saying at this time so let's pray for ukraine let's pray for the suffering let's pray for the people and let's pray that god will bring his absolute peace until next week take care this insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.